Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's go back to 2011 and look at the World Cup with Squidge. Let's go back to 2011 and look at the World Cup with Squidge. Hello and welcome to the Squidge Rugby World Cup Retrospective, uh, the podcast that is using Zoom for the first time since watching the Zoom horror film Host over the week, uh, in which loads of people go on a Zoom call and get murdered. So, is slightly terrified to open Zoom. That's that's just me, though. I am joined as ever. That boats very well by me, Will Owen, to finish hands. Yeah, uh, who hopefully will be the first one murdered. Uh, and also <laughs> joining me, you are my brother. Uh, we're joined by two other brothers from the Draft Rugby podcast, Harry and Nelson Dale. That's one. <laughs> I, 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 there's no minorities here, boys. So surely the bald guy gets murdered first. That's that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. Okay, it's a hell of a Would way to introduce just... guests on your podcast by saying, "I hope you get murdered second. <laughs> <laughs> and third, and third, maybe, and yes. third. No, I'm very willing to go. Like I'm the shock death in the middle. You know, like I'm in, I'm like Drew Barrymore in Scream. Like I'm introduced and you think I'm going to last it out, but no, I'm a goner right away. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, Nelson, Nelson's uh, cricket anyway, so he's got no chance. I'm a pretty slow runner at the moment. <laughs> Forget at the moment. You, me, and Robbie are both just slow runners generally. So yeah, oh, and that, lockdown stress. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? How are we both? Yeah, very, very good. Thanks, mate. Um, end of a end of a pretty crazy day for me, actually, which is mm-hmm. the the first day in mm-hmm. about a year that I've had just doing nothing during the week. So it's been oh, pretty wow. excellent. Nice. A meeting a couple of hours before this, but that was over a couple of beers, so definitely can't <laughs> complain. I'm the exact opposite. I haven't been home yet, so uh, it's been 14 hours since I've left for work. So it's, this is this is the highlight of the day for sure. Wow, that was well, great. And it's yeah, good hearing yeah. that a couple of beers have happened already, because over here, obviously, it's 11 a.m. So that's very refreshing to hear at this point. <laughs> Weather spoons are officially open now. Yeah. Across the land, that's that that that's what I'm hearing. 11 a.m. So the idea today, the game we are nominally covering, is Australia's 68-22 win back in 2011 over Russia. I think this game is best remembered for one thing, which is the fact that Radiki Samo, aged 36, played on the wing for the first time since 1999. Yeah, it's been 12 years, and he, uh, at that age, 35, 36, whatever he was, he still had enough pace, I reckon. Harry was yeah. talking junk about him like five minutes ago. But I think for, for a man that's clearly not a winger, and he mm. could have been in a wheelchair almost with how old he is, I think he did well. You know what? He was actually young for the for the game. Gratchev, I think his name was one of the flankers yes. for Russia, was actually 38, the oldest man <laughs> at the Rugby World Cup. Yeah. So he's just a young buck. He's still had a couple of years to go on him. Yeah. 
And I think, did, no, I can't remember if it was Grashev or Greshev. One of because the, they've annoyingly got the, basically the same name. Yeah. I believe yeah. one of those two is capped in the back, so I'm hoping it's Grashev. <laughs> and if we could have had a Samo versus Grashev number eight battle on the wing, that would have been a perfect <laughs> setup for this test match. Absolutely. It's Eddie Jones talking about hybrid players well ahead of the game with Iki Samo and yeah. Grashev. Yeah. Definitely. And like the. The other thing about this game is he causes so much chaos the moment he gets the ball every single time because no one is expecting to tackle a number eight out on the wing. And he just is willing to throw one arm offload. If he hits the ground, he's still looking for the pass. Like the ball is always alive with him. And and that was exciting to see. He dead set locks his thumb between his fingers around the ball because his (laughs) hand is so big. So if someone tries to palm him, he just holds one hand out and he can throw the ball anywhere. It's impossible to tackle him. Of course he creates chaos. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's a good place to sort of start. And I know it wasn't the first try, but well, no, to be fair, his first touch of the ball, he makes a break down the wing and it sets up yeah. the first try for Beric Barnes. But then there's yeah. the one that you yeah, alluded to a minute ago where he throws this kind of American football style pass over the top to, uh, I think it's Nathan Sharp maybe running a, a line to help him out or Higginbotham. And there's a load of offloads and it's Quade Cooper gets the ball in space and offloads to Ben McCalman when... He doesn't need to. He would have scored himself, but it makes the trial oh, like 1% nicer, doesn't it? You're, yeah, you're, do- sure. you're talking... Uh, you, you've massively undersold that try. Yeah, I have, haven't I? And yeah. Because, I mean, it's it come, it, I think it's their third try. It comes right after they score a really incredible try of Drew Mitchell, uh, where they make... Luke Burgess makes a lovely break from the 22. And then uh, he's brought down about halfway. They recycle it, and Barrett Barnes does an immediate cross yes. kick to Mitchell, who scores. And it's such a nice, well worked try. And almost from the kickoff, Australia run this passage where they're just offloading every ball. It's proper like slingshot offload after offload. Yeah. Until, as you say, Quade Cooper's. Sorry, go on. It was champagne rugby to start, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. I think they just knew that the, the Russian fullback never seemed to be in place at the back. So they were willing to <sighs> kick it in. And they were wi- willing to just throw the ball from left wing to right wing. Didn't have to make contact with anyone in the middle. They're throwing four or five passes, half of them offloads. That was the that was the point that try that you're talking about where I was really like uh, saluting Squidge for asking us to talk about this game because there's a <laughs> lot of games we could have gone back to in the Wallabies last ten years and oh, yes. not enjoyed ourselves at all. That you picked the perfect one for us. So <laughs> I had fans, and we just have rose coloured glasses now. I'm pretty sure we won that World Cup. Yeah, I, <laughs> I thought it was so. Wales won that World Cup. <laughs> It was a great final either way. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's not talk about third place playoffs. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was one of those one of those uh, teams for the Wallabies. I, like it had been a long time since I'd looked at this side, and obviously mm-hmm. we got Jock, James O'Connor, and a few other guys sort of popping up and still around. But that team, that class that was in that Wallaby side, it just had a little too much flair potentially. Like <laughs> they just needed to settle down at times. Quaid gets a bit excited, does a few silly things. Mm. James O'Connor started this game brilliantly and then in that second half just dropped the ball four or five times every time he, he went into contact. But just yeah. every single person in that back line could have broken the line open at any point. Yeah. yeah. And I think over whilst we've watched this World Cup the whole way through, of course, we've probably concluded that Australia was probably the best attacking team at this World Cup. And like regardless of what backline they put out, you know, you've got like the likes of Digby Yuani who was yet to come back into and Pat McCabe who had a fairly good World Cup, as it turned out, still yet to come back into this team. And yeah, like on the bench here you see Will Genya and Nick Phipps, two scrum halves covering the entire backline. It doesn't really matter who's playing where. Yeah. 
It was. It really was that good. But the the team there was so exciting to watch. But I actually thought this is probably my favourite backline they put out of the World Cup. I was looking through their team list for the other games as well. The partnership of Beric Barnes and Adam Ashley Cooper in the centre was just. Just absolute class. They're two of my favourite centres running around. And I just thought it was so much stronger than what we put out in the other games. Russia was obviously yeah. the game that all these targeted. <laughs> <laughs> that was the big one. That was the biggie. <laughs> the, the Beric Barnes is often sort of remembered almost as a joke. I don't quite get why. Why there's a lot of people don't remember his being as really, really good as he was. Yeah, I, I think it's probably because he had that to be honest, I think the start of his career was a little bit slow where I think he underachieved a little bit and he probably got higher honors than maybe he should have early on. And then he was always stuck behind Quade Cooper. And I don't think he probably ever solidified a spot at test level, but he was so solid. He was rock solid defensively, made good decisions, good kicker of the ball, good passer. I actually thought in this game, he was the perfect foil for Quade Cooper and probably could have played a lot more test rugby than he actually did. Yeah. Yeah. It amazes me thinking that they picked Anthony Fienger over him for most of this World Cup. Oh, and like, oh, exactly. we've looked at Anthony Fienger and like we've discussed on previous episodes that like we previously remembered him as being all right. Not amazing, but all right. And he's been really shit in all the games that we've watched. I think Anthony Fienger probably got selected yeah. based off his combination with Quade Cooper and Wilgenia and they were overcompensating for Quade Cooper's, well, not perceived, actual lack of defensive capability. So yeah. I think <laughs> that was Fienger's biggest strength and, and I think that's probably why we saw him. Uh, I think it's going off on a tangent. Um, Go for it. Quade Cooper definitely wasn't the worst defender at 10 in this match. Uh, Yuri <laughs> Kushnorov. I uh, I looked up turnstiles in Russian and it's turnket. I butchered it, but he is definitely the Russian turnket. <laughs> it's a bit, isn't it? Because I mean, like Kushnarev was—he looks like a fly half. You know, you you look at him; he's just kind of like very authoritative looking figure. He's got like the fly half haircut. Uh, he he kicks a couple of times. <laughs> And you kind of go, oh, was that why he was at 10? You know, he just looked the part. He just turned up to training and they went, yeah, right, you can play 10, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, was it the the commentators were going, he's a really good attacker and that's why he's here. Mm. <laughs> Did someone see him attack well? Like, <laughs> I don't think they had the ball in the first half, to be fair. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. But then, Let's then, bear in mind as well that there were, there were three Russian tries in this game. One of them was scored by the replacement fly half, Rashkov. And yeah, another good. one of them was assisted by Quade Cooper rather than <laughs> yeah, Kushnarev. So, yeah, yeah. The, he, he still, still, uh, I think Quade was probably the second best fly half in this match and Rashkov was the best. Like, how is that the, the, the biggest margin team's been losing? And someone just chucks out a drop goal. Like he'd been on the field for two minutes and he just goes, nah, I'll get some points on the board. I was wondering if it's a Felipe Contopomi moment. And it was like, I don't know if you remember a few years ago for Stad, Contopomi's team were four points behind and he dropped a goal thinking he'd won the match for them because um, he just didn't know the score. I think it was more of a Matt Dunning. I wonder if it's like, no, I was wondering if it's like that. Like he. He hasn't quite got the measure of the game because he's just come on, and he thinks, despite it being thirty-three five, that this is going to put Russia ahead. I was going to ask. He's got the world's first thirty-point drop goal. Uh, familiar with this, the Fletch and Hindy sketch uh, of the Australia versus Russia rugby league match from two thousand, the two thousand rugby league World Cup, 
and basically the the, the sketch is that Australia go about 100 points up and then there's somebody pr- uh, pretending to be one of the Australian sort of captains or vice captains or whatever and says, oh, and Russia really came back at us. They came back and they made three tackles in a row and they were doing really, <laughs> really well. And then basically he says, then there was the worst moment of my rugby league career and he trips up one of the Russian attackers and Russia go for goal when they're about 90 points down <laughs> and he misses it between the posts and he's saying, oh, I'm so relieved. They nearly closed the gap to 86 points. Oh, no. <laughs> it was like, it was like, the best kicker in all of Russia, yeah. <laughs> which Russia didn't even have on here. Actually, I don't know. Kushner was probably the better goal kicker, which is not what this game required. <laughs> yeah. to, to, to be fair, coming into this game, you know, the commentators were saying Russia had already scored three tries against Italy, <clears throat> two tries <clears throat> against uh, Ireland. Island. I had in my head the current Australian side that scores one try a game. I thought we were really up against it. <laughs> so maybe they were thinking the same kind of thing. The attacking fly half was going to give them a real chance. You, you had to keep those points ticking over. <laughs> It's worth noting, this is the most tries Australia conceded in the entire World Cup. That's wow. crazy. They conceded two against the All Blacks and Wales. They conceded none against Ireland. They conceded one against the USA. Um, and then three against Russia. Do you remember yeah. that? Do you remember when Australia could defend? That's maybe harsh in the last few months. But yeah. <laughs> No, we, we, I think we, it was we, 1991, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, probably, probably a bit. We, uh, we, did a, we were talk, talking about records, so I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> give you this one now. Um, we're looking at uh, the, you know, at, at half time, I think it was 45 to five. And I was thinking, mm. hadn't, I hadn't looked at the score before the game. You know, I wanted to make sure it was, it was still up in the air for me. And I was thinking, geez, yeah. this could be a 90 point win. This is going to be absolutely, <clears throat> ma- ma- absolutely massive. And of course it didn't quite play out like that. And we'll get to that, but it got me thinking of what was the biggest win that Australia has ever had over another nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, specifically Wales. Oh no! I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. <laughs> the year of the 1991. I'm not going to stop. <laughs> Rugby World Cup. In the warm up to the World Cup, Australia got up by 57 points and over Wales, and then played them in the actual wow. World Cup as well, and beat them by another 35. So they managed to get up by 92 points over Wales in two games. It's just absolutely amazing. So there's a great stat that I know you guys will never That's, forget. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm very glad to hear that. Um, and I imagine uh, Wales' greatest victory over Australia was like 18-15 or something. No, 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 I think they won by 24. 25 points. 25. Oh, that's oh, pretty okay. good. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, I mean, you say that like beating Wales in the 90s was hard. <laughs> like you, no, you we, won we two just... World Cups in that time. I think we won yeah. two games. Well, look, we've we've just got to hold on to everything we can at the moment, all right, in Australia. <laughs> so, hey, we'll I know it. the feeling. How yeah, we, well, I mean, we from, just, we've both got to beat each other down when we get the chance. <laughs> from the other end, then, how are you feeling about that World Cup draw? Fantastic. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. So the Virginians. I, I, I think it's just the same... Do they actually do a draw anymore, or do they just refresh <laughs> the page and it just goes to the next four years after? But like when I, when they were drawing the last team for that pool and you saw Australia and Fiji together, I was sort of laughing to myself, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But I didn't think it could possibly happen again. But what is it? Yeah, like four of the last five World Cups, Australia, Wales and Fiji have been in the same pool. And it's likely we're going to get Georgia again and it's possible we'll get Uruguay again. So it'll be the exact same pool as last time. 
I don't know about your thoughts on this, boys, but is it time we have four team pools? Because then, I mean, we can't have all three of those together. <laughs> if that's the reason I don't know what else is. Look, what I want is a 20-pool World Cup with 20 teams. Yes. So that that way Wales will always get out the pools and they've never got to play Fiji in them. Ireland will still go out in the quarterfinals. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. of course. Yeah. There is that. Ireland will draw either France or the All Blacks in the quarterfinals for the get out of the group. So good luck there, boys. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, not, that's not fun. The curse continues. Ten World Cups in a row now. No, sorry, nine out of ten they went and pools once. Never mind. Oh, well. Sorry, Ireland. It's... We're looking at 2011, and it is remarkable mostly for being the only World Cup where Wales and Australia weren't in the same pool, I think, ever. Yeah, it is ridiculous. It's, I don't know. It, 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 it brings up that other, the other point, which is why are we drawing the pools now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense. And I get that rugby knows it's got a big enough audience to sell tickets, but it needs longer than you know a football World Cup would. So that, but three years feels like a long time. You know, tickets go on sale next March, which is a long time to be selling them for. To see how quickly they sell. But I mean, you look at recent years and almost like recent World Cups, and pretty much every ticket sold. Like we don't need to be that desperate. Yeah. You yeah. know, like yeah. people in those countries will will buy tickets, and you know, some people that will go to everyone will buy tickets, and there'll still be tons of tickets left. You know, 12, 18 months later. Do you reckon it's one of those things where people just kind of think, well, I've seen Wales versus Fiji before, so I'm not going to bother doing that this time. Like, I've seen Australia beating Wales plenty of times. You know, I don't need to do it again, do I? Everyone's waiting for Fiji to beat both of us at the next yeah. one. Yeah. It's going to happen. Every, 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 well, I mean, they're going to take a scalp, I think. I'd put my money on it. They've just been getting yeah. so close. Is Semi Radraja too old to play in that World Cup? Has anyone No, no, no. <laughs> He's like 28 or something. I reckon he's yeah. probably yeah, 28 or so. Yeah, and two or so would be like similar, 27, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. They still got weapons. If any volleyball, I still if they need a 10. Yeah. <laughs> They've that... got a good back line going into then. And I can only imagine who they're currently, who's currently sizzling on the seven circuit that they're going to pull in within the next three years. Oh, exactly. That, that flanker they pulled out of nowhere, uh, who was homeless a few months ago. Like spent lockdown on the streets and then was pulled in Windsor's first cap is incredible against Georgia. And you're going, okay, they've just got, they've got so many of these boys. They've got so many phenomenal. They literally found else wants, a world-class yeah. player on the streets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, we see it firsthand. We invited them to come and play in our domestic competition. And the Fiji <laughs> drew like two years in, three years in, have won the entire competition, didn't they? Yeah. And you're They're talking just way too good. You're talking just <laughs> non professional players that are living in Fiji, scooped them up, put them in a team together, and they're turning up and just. Second year, second yeah. place, third year, they win the whole thing. And dominating teams with like Quade Cooper running around and stuff like that, and they're mm. still winning. Did you see the clip on Twitter this morning? Um, so they had a meeting for like the high performance unit of Fijians, whatever. And they asked afterwards if they could go out and play despite it really pissing it down with rain. And it was like horrible conditions, horrendously muddy pitch. And they look like that bloody Australia Scott Higgins, no, um, Ben McCallman try. Like they're just <laughs> all throwing these miracle offloads out of nowhere, despite the fact that you probably can't see the person two yards away from you. Like it, it looked like West Wales. Like it was awful conditions. And yet, and yet, there they are, just chucking it about. And they just asked to do that after a meeting. They'd asked to go out and play. It's ridiculous. And it's like a couple of hours away from a typhoon or whatever it is that's cycling yeah. that's coming. 
Yeah, like it course. is that bad weather. It's not bad rain. It is typhoon territory, and they're saying the worst they've had in a long time. Yeah, and yeah. there's just clip after clip of them playing in the water and kids playing in the water and flicking the footy around. It's awesome to see. And I think, look, when you get that yeah, in the UK, everybody in the team's going, oh, shotgun, not playing fullback. Whereas I imagine they were all saying, oh, yeah, yeah, put me in the back three, coach. For sure. <laughs> that is, yeah, the, the, the worst possible conditions. But I think it's that kind of, like, sheer love of the game that yeah. pulls them through. I don't know how we're talking about Fiji, um, <laughs> but it's it's fate, isn't it? Like, you put Welsh and Australians together and the Fijians will manifest like Beetlejuice. <laughs> They'll just appear in the corner. Yeah, um, there's a chat about rugby there, there, especially if it's World Cup related. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's the that's the the ghost in this Zoom call. You know, it's not coming to kill us; it's coming to beat us in World Cup. It's the Fijian ghost. <laughs> the ghost of World Cup past. <laughs> yes, it is Christmas. I'm getting a massive deja vu here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if it was you talking about a ghost in one of our pods or something like that. It was Fiji. I'm pretty sure. Oh, maybe that rings that rings a bell. Okay, <laughs> um, I was going to say, speaking of bells, Angus Bell wasn't playing in this game. However, there was a moment I picked up on commentary where the commentator said during the first scrum of the game, now a lot is expected of this young prop James Slipper, which I can't picture James Slipper ever being young. I think he was like James Slipper and then Rob Simmons comes off the bench as another youngster. Yeah. To me, both of them were always at least... 29 and I always just Rob Simmons have has been like 29 for about 10 years hasn't he I think so and he has never been able to catch a football has he or hold on to it <laughs> oh, watching that second half where he he just dives and knocks the ball on it was just like that was my one takeaway from him his performance in this game just him <laughs> knocking the ball on again it's just I don't know Captain Mud since 2011 yeah that guy is <laughs> definitely a wet pillar but he's kind of Rob Simmons has always been there because he's a good lineout option, you know. And it's one of those things that there are some players who, in some countries or teams, will get a disproportionately great career because they have one asset. I'll go. I'll go one step further. It's not just that; it's Australia's distinct lack of any other options at any yeah. point over the last decade. He's, exactly. Yes, he's, he's a solid enough lineout operator, and he's definitely the best in Australia at the moment, and has been for a few years. But if anyone was half decent, they would have just taken his role, and he would never have been picked. And the thing was, any any time anyone threatened, they left for the Northern Hemisphere, and we never saw them again. Yeah, yeah. There, there are three or four blokes at the moment that would be so far ahead of him. And they're nowhere to be seen in, in Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. I mean, the the Arnolds who have then... Yeah, Arnold, Coleman, Rodas, Skelton. even. Yeah. Fardy's pretty old, but we'll take him. Yeah. <laughs> he's still very good for Leinster, despite his age. So, yeah. yeah. He's got to be 37 or something. Probably. Yeah, I yeah. think he's like 35. Mm. I don't know. I should maybe do DNA tests on that hat I stole from him. Yes, of course. Um, which is a story I've told in another episode of this podcast. But yeah, I once stole a hat from Scott Fardy. Uh, which I which I got for Christmas last year from him. So, so. Yes. Ooh, wow, good present. That's yeah. yeah, it cost it didn't cost me a penny, but it cost me almost my life. So <laughs> I think that's the trade up. Yeah, it's um, worth the risk. Worth the risk. Shall we shall we talk about some of the other Australian tries? Because sure. we've kind of mentioned let's, the let's talk um, David Pocock. one. Let's talk let's talk David Pocock, my favourite topic. Please. Yeah. Please. So there's 
as you as you mentioned earlier, there was a suspect one where David Pocock just offered fairly standard line out move, runs into Yuri Kushnerev expecting to be tackled, and instead Yuri Kushnerev ends up in row Z, and Pocock just. The thing is, you can see Pocock coming out the other end of that tackle, not expecting to keep running. And it's kind of like, oh, no, no, usually I would go down and be tackled at this point. But sure, if you want me to score the try, I will. He had funny funny thing about Pocock that I think we always forgot was before Hooper came into the Brumby system, who, uh, Pocock had the fastest 40-metre sprint time that, t- that team really? had ever had. Wow. So he's actually a bit of a mover, and he could actually play in attack a little bit as well. Obviously, mm. he was just such an absolute menace in defense that you didn't see him run the ball too yeah. much. But I, I wouldn't want to tackle the bloke. Look at the size of him. He's probably Adonis. <laughs> Scary, man. Yeah. yeah. Then, but he, um, he, he also got his, his other try. He got, a, he got two tries in that first half. Mm. And he probably could have had a third. Mm. You know, like if he really wanted it, yeah. I reckon he could have yeah. had that. Third. I think it was very unselfish, that offload he did to Stephen Moore for that try. Yeah. No one has ever described him as selfish, I reckon. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's all the work he's done for charities and stuff. And so, don't you hate how he's not not only really good in the breakdown, he's also really good in attack, and he's a really good bloke, and he's handsome as fuck. Like, I hate him. Too. Right, he he would have a schlong on him as well. He would be oh, yeah. just, it would swing. <laughs> I, I think you can actually see it. You know, I... I wrote a piece for Blood and Mud like way back when Israel Falau sent that first tweet about how I reckon it was just being in the changing room of David Pocock that gave Israel Falau feelings he wasn't comfortable with. And that was why, <laughs> yes. he, why he swung in that direction, why he took yeah. that drastic turn out of nowhere to being a massive homophobe. Hang on, Robbie, can we just can we just have a really a quick word? Um, guys, sure, just shut sure. your ears for a second. Do you think they've heard the, uh, the other episodes of the podcast where we're talking about David Pocock schlong? Oh, um, you mean the David Pocock Schlong Retrospective podcast? Yeah, yeah. You know, the other yeah. like 33 episodes of this podcast we've done where we talk about David Pocock yeah. Schlong. Yeah, because we don't, we don't talk about anything else. No. And I thought we might do this one on rugby. Yeah. But I think we're just, we're back to David Pocock Schlong. All right, guys, t- um, turn your mics back on. Turn, turn your cameras <laughs> back on. You can listen to us again. Yeah, David Pocock, what a rugby player he is. What a schlock. No, um, what a good... Breakdown office, uh, operator, that's the one. Uh, yeah, good. You reckon he, he was so good at holding his weight over the ball because he had a tripod, so he had an extra point <laughs> of <laughs> He had a perfectly balanced, like you couldn't knock him off because it was like a pendulum just keeping him in place at all times. It all makes sense. Speaking of Pocock, how about him getting selected at six for the uh, the team of the decade? Yeah. Oh, where, where is that being published through? Is that as an open side or a blind side? It was, he's, yeah, he's down as a blind side. Um, but I don't know if they just did it as a... Was McCall playing seven? Yeah, McCall yeah. at seven. Yeah, but you know um, how some, some nations, they swap them around. And I Argent- feel like McCall's more yeah. of a six than Pocock. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's not an Argentinian post and there's not enough South Africans for it to be a South African post. So they're the only two that put six as their open side flanker. Yeah. All I'm saying, play left and white, right. All I'm saying is Ned Hannigan was robbed. Surely <laughs> Ned Hannigan you, and Simmons. You've you've brought up an emotive topic. I think for everyone involved here. What if Ned Hannigan's the ghost? Just a massive floaty lamppost ghost. A very luscious lamppost mop on top of his head. And then there's. <laughs> in every nation where they can do 
whatever they like on a football field and they can play as well as they possibly can, like Ted Flanagan did a few games into this international season. And you still know with 100% confidence that he's never going to make it at international level. Yes. He's just one of those guys. I I think there's something in, and I do feel for him to a certain degree, the fact that he's called Ned and he has that haircut. <laughs> <laughs> he can get a haircut though. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he did briefly and it didn't work. I still didn't believe it. I still looked at him and went, No, 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 no. You're still you're still a man you're still a massive bloke called Ned. <laughs> Who I mean, can you like school must have been hard for him, even though he was that tall. Like, I don't know why. He just he has that energy of someone that was easily picked on in school. He does look like he was bullied and it doesn't come out well enough in his rugby. He's not an aggressive man. Like no. it's not like he's trying to make up for it. He's like, yeah, so what? I have a mop on my head. Enjoy it. <laughs> yes. That's all it is. He's not angry enough. You always have to respect I... the level of confidence with nothing no, to back it up. I don't think it is. I think he's kind of like he has the energy of someone who was bullied mercilessly in school, but didn't notice and hung around with the bullies anyway. <laughs> Of like he just thought they were his friend, and they were, it was like a bit of you know jibing and hey, boys will be boys. I don't know how much you guys see the media over here between the games, but mm. Ned Hannigan was like on the front foot all season this year, going, "Oh, you know, we're going to be so physical this week." I'm just thinking, when? Like, when have you <laughs> ever been physical? You've never knocked someone off a breakdown. Like, you, you do not do physicality. Remember that break he made against the All Blacks, and he looked so confused. It was, you know, that break of that um, that clip of like a giraffe running through open pastures <laughs> and just looking around with its neck kind of swaying side to side violently. It looked a bit like that. You, he, in his head, you were just, I'm sure everyone could have, if you could have thought or heard what he was thinking, it would have been, help, help, someone <laughs> help me. Like, he just did not know what to do and he just wanted to throw it to someone. And he, he just chucked it to Hooper, didn't he? Because he was like, you've done this before. Yeah, you're more you've qualified for this than I am. And he... All he probably had to do was hold it for a few more steps and draw mm. in the play and said he just threw it early. And so that was the greatest game he's ever played and ever will play. So I don't want to rag with him too much for that one. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think it's about time we move on to the most important bit of this match. The bit that we've all come for is the point when five metres out from the Australian line, Russia get a penalty. And not only do they just tap and go or whatever, <laughs> but they set up the old school high school wall move where they set up three forwards and then a couple of people in behind in case they want to run it through. They get the nine to loop round and set off the backs off there and improvise. And I, I'm sure most people who are listening to this have seen some variation of this before if they've ever played rugby in school. And as you just sort of gestured a minute ago, they did this twice at international mm. level in the World Cup. And I love that. No, no, no. They do it once five metres out and you can kind of, you know, you can kind of go with that because there yeah. is an argument for five minutes up. Just give it to your biggest bloke and let him run yeah. into them. Especially if they've got Yuri Koshner around on the other side. Yeah, I love the Whereas... last section as well. That they just go no, yeah. straight to Koshner off in the middle. He'll bosh it. Off. Wait a minute, no, Koshner was playing for them. He swapped sides. It's like they've gone full, full high school rugby, and they've just gone right. You're one short. We're putting, we're putting one of our guys on your side, the one we don't want. Um, no, but then also forty meters out, they try it again. Yes. Why would you do that 40 metres from the trial give it line? to your big fat second row and see if he can run through. <laughs> yeah. I think they, they'd come to realise, like they'd gone a bunch of times, especially a little bit earlier on, they'd kicked it to the line, go, okay, we'll do a driving mall here and just got demolished. And mm. that first time they did it, 
They did get demolished, but they got another penalty. And they went, oh, do we back ourselves to do that? Nah. And then they just <laughs> went to that old school move. And they did that twice. And you said they had it set up to create some deception. And there wasn't any deception. They did the exact same thing twice. And it was the most simple version. There was no A runner, B runner. It was like, this guy's getting the ball. Shit, we've done it twice and we've got no other plan. I, I could have sworn that second time that they were going to do the bit where everyone puts their arm under their jersey <laughs> yeah. so it looks like yes. the ball, and they just scatter off. Daniela Tupo did that. I don't know. Did, did, yes. did you guys? <laughs> no, I don't think I did. And I it got, the try got disallowed for it, didn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. it was, was it Barbarians. It was like Australia versus. Yeah. Oh, yes. And the referee just said, I yeah. hate that. Don't do that. <laughs> it's so good to see that. Even yeah. with the oh, yeah. And all the rest of the, the other 14 players were putting their arms up their jumpers, pretending that they had the ball. Yeah, awesome stuff. The other move I used to do, or we used to run when I was in like under 15, 16, was a move we called pivot, where everyone lined up behind each other. And the fly-off would call either, you know, like a, an odd number or an even number. And if it was an odd number, you all ran left. If it was a, an even number, you all ran right from stood right behind the scrum and it no, you never called it in a game and it never worked in training yet we used to bring it out to practice it regularly because it was one of our like free moves that they come up with that that stuff like part of the fun though right i bet you've yeah. never talked about um ultimate frisbee on your podcast but i played it for, for one competition for our uni mm-hmm. and we had one move and i'm sorry this this was revenge of the nerds like everyone that played on the other teams were nerds and knew and were really good and we were like a team that was going to play footy and then decided, no, nah, let's play European handball. European yeah. And we had no idea. And we were just calling out things like sniper on the roof. Everyone falls to the ground. You just try to throw it from a long way out. <laughs> One person sprints through and those tricks sort of plays. Never worked that. Oh, man. If only. Ultimate Frisbee, I like, again, I've played it like maybe once or twice. It's surprisingly great, isn't it? It's one of those things that sounds like it should be nothing, but it's actually, it's good. It was really fun. Like we've done it plenty of times at footy training, mm. but it's when everyone has no clue what's going on. But as soon as you verse a team that knows what's going on, yes, it's, it's not as enjoyable. <laughs> it reminds me. I when I was in yeah when I was in school at some point, um, they did some big sports day thing like between several schools where they just assigned everyone a sport at random. And I was the only boy on our lacrosse team, on like the mixed lacrosse team. I had no idea what lacrosse was the morning when I woke up. <laughs> but by the evening, I was pretty sure I was trying out for the Olympic team. Like, I was incredible at lacrosse. And I've never played it again since. I never want to. Didn't, like That's my one time. You say you I was got, really good at lacrosse. You got drafted into a cup final and scored a hat-trick by accident. We made the final and I scored a hat-trick, yeah. And no one was even congratulating me. Everyone was just like, yeah, fair enough. You know, that's what he does. He's, he's that good. <laughs> that's pretty good. No, fair play. My proudest no, sporting team. Uh, the uh, the hat tricks, yeah. Actually, I've got, I've got something for that as well. Yeah. I've got a couple of segues ready. Um, <laughs> no, no. So I was talking about set pieces before and, and the fact mm. that clearly Russia didn't want to take them. Did you guys yeah. notice with about nine minutes to go, they brought on Matt Viv, their reserve hooker, to play mm. at flanker when they were defending yeah. the five meter scrum, and they turned the ball over. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The Swallowbees had the ball. They looked dominant, and then it just twisted, bowled out the side, and Russia picked it up and managed to keep them out about nine minutes from time. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And 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 also like Saifa Anger was on the bench for the Wallabies covering Loosehead, so today was clearly just the day of playing hookers out of position. <laughs> 
So he comes on, but Pilotta now doesn't. Yeah. So they kind of cover. <laughs> and again, Wilgenia doesn't. They're kind of keeping those guys fresh. Is that not the weirdest bench you've ever seen? Like, you've got two hookers. Strange, yeah. Well, I, yeah. personally, I think picking Nick Phipps as a reserve winger was genius because the guy can't pass. So, what better position <laughs> for him than on the wing? I, yeah. I genuinely think he's played about as many test caps on the wing for the Wallabies as he has at Scrum Half because. The amount of times that they had to just leave Will Genia on the pitch for the 80 minutes, but somebody else has gone off injured. And Nick Phipps has done okay playing there. He's better he scored, there. Yeah. He scored that one great try against the All Blacks, I always remember yeah. playing on the wing. It was a brilliant finish, and you went, why isn't he doing this all the time? Yeah. Why, is he, why, is, why, why isn't he playing on the wing instead of trying to pass the ball and pissing on bars? Yeah, and throwing people's boots. Yeah. Which I like. That's the no, one yeah, moment yeah. where he looked like a scrum half. Yeah. That's the only time he ever looked like a professional standard scrum half. I think, yeah, that's definitely the best thing he's ever done, is throw boots. And they're probably better passes as well. Yes. He went straight into touch. It's a Ben Young's pass. But uh, Speaking of Matviev, the replacement hooker for Russia, there's a point where, and we might as well segue, segue into this try, scored by mm. Vladimir Ostrushko. Alan Quinlan on the commentary says, oh, the two Russian wingers are doing really well, Ostrushko and Matviev. I mean, Simplikevich. And he somehow confused the, the starting right winger with the replacement hooker. <laughs> to, to be fair, I was blown away by how good they were with their names. You listen to any of the Australian commentators, yeah. they haven't learnt the names, let alone worked out how to pronounce them. Yeah. I, I, was, I was very impressed. Yeah. We've, we spoke before about the um, Grant Nisbet and the, on New Zealand comes, of course, called Jamie Heaslip, Rodney Heaslip instead. And we've been trying to figure out where he got that from. But I, when I Googled it, it's like the name of a tiler in New Zealand. So I think it's just the guy who like does his roof. Like he probably hired him a couple of years ago and remembers that as the only Heaslip he'd ever met until Jamie Heaslip. We, we, our Aussie commentators, like, they do it all the time. Like there's Aussie rugby players, players mm. in their own country consistently. George Regan keeps getting them wrong. Yeah, I, w- I was trying to work out who it was. I think it was one of the the young wingers for the Waratahs. He every mm. time he plays, George Regan gets his first name wrong. Or he just Clark. doesn't. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the guy that made his debut this year. And then how about um, what's his name on the Aussie rugby show that keeps saying Argentina? Oh yeah, doesn't even know. It's better than the Netherlands, mind you. And the welcome, welcome to country yeah. the other week when they said, "Oh, this game between the Wallabies and the Netherlands." Yeah, and the, one of the other welcome to countries, they said, <laughs> "Like it was yeah. two weeks in a row." It's like, are you just making it up on the spot? Like, pay a little bit more attention because it, it's a great thing to say before the game. It can be awesome, but yeah, yeah. They're, they're pretty big mistakes. Yeah, you were you, you were touching on uh, hat tricks before. Mm. Oh mm-hmm. yes. Move on to a hat trick that was in, or almost a hat trick that was in this game. Drew Mitchell, just before yeah. he scored, like looked like he broke away for that third try and then just got snipered and, and fell to the ground and, and rolled off the field. Pretty, pretty hard to see. Have yeah. you guys already talked about Drew Mitchell's ankle injury from before the Rugby World Cup in this year? No. No, 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 of course, because he kind of miraculously recovered, didn't he? Yeah, so he he fractured, dislocated his ankle, and I've, mm. I can still picture him with his foot in the air, with his ankle at ninety degrees, to where it should oh be just God. looking at it, screaming. And they showed it on the live coverage, and then immediately cut it. Yeah, and took him. I reckon he was really, really injury prone. Couldn't get his body right for about mm. two or three years. Yeah, but that was in the Super Rugby of twenty eleven. 
So mm. it was that was you know the start of him working his ass off to get back in and just constantly yeah. breaking down. He reckons it took him a couple of years to get right. It was, and he still looks so sharp. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he plays really well. And again, yeah. you wouldn't know. You know, I don't know if he went to the same magical cave in Fiji that Naholo did in the following World Cup, mm. where the Fijian witch doctor sorted them out. Yeah, I. But it it's so unfortunate. I don't know if it must be that, like yeah. You, you, you almost look at it and think like that was the right decision for him to just hobble towards the touchline when he had the ball. And yeah. you kind of feel sorry for the Russian. I think it was Vasily Artemyev, the fullback, who had to come and tackle it. You almost feel sorry for him because he almost sympathises with Drew Mitchell, but thinks like, sorry, mate, I'm playing for my country. I've got to put you into touch here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, if it was Sama, you know, you just would have thrown the ball. before. Yes. He could have he could have thought about that maybe. Well, try, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now he wouldn't get injured. Radiki Sama would never get injured. He is infallible and perfect. That man is made of carver. That makes you strong. <laughs> uh, speaking of Radiki Samo, and we mentioned the Russian wingers, uh there was a comment in the pre match press conference I just want to draw everyone's attention to that Vladimir Ostrusko, the left winger for uh Russia who was obviously the opposite man for Radiki Samo, was asked about this matchup, and he said, I am ready to eat Radiki Samo. <laughs> yeah, lost in translation, maybe. <laughs> was it? But then they, weren't they saying, like, halfway through the game that the wingers actually swapped wings as well? Yeah. So they, 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 could, they could put Simplikovic, if, if I got his name yeah. right, against him because he was a bigger unit. So the <laughs> bloke that was claiming he was going to eat him literally got moved off his wing. Because he was probably too scared of him and either that or it's a great tactical decision to put your young 19 year old winger up against a big number eight on the wing on his second cap he's he's, yeah double his age yeah i mean there is the other the other possible theory is that they were worried that he was going to take it too literally and bite him (laughs) and they wanted to play with 15 players the whole way (laughs) they didn't they're like "No, no, 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 no 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 he thinks it's his dinner don't let him near it one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Good day. Good day to do that. So we'll talk, we should talk about uh, Ostrushko's try. So sure, Luke okay. just runs the ball out of his 22 uh, after a rush, that Russian attack with the wall move, knocks the ball on. Ostrushko gets the ball, steps Adam Ashley Cooper, who is then simultaneously bo- bodied by Ivan Prishipenko, the Russian tight head prop, and sent miles on the try to be disallowed, but we don't care about that. He steps Adam Ashley Cooper. He then rounds, I think it's Drew Mitchell, and outpaces James O'Connor and Quay Cooper to the uh, Australian try line. And it's just a really good finish. We saw him previously do a similar finish against Italy. 
Uh, and he is just one of those players. I mean, he's gone to have a really good sevens career outside of this. But he's one of those players that, uh, and we have Blaine Scully on, uh, who said that he was just like one of the the wingers he least enjoyed tackling in his career. And you can kind of see that here, even with you know the Australian players who are used to tackling anybody. Well, I, I there you go. I I thought he stepped inside sharp. Nathan oh, Manny Sharp. Sorry, yeah. I was going to say if it was AAC, that is. That is much better than Sharp. <laughs> I was just seeing red after Luke Burgess got completely wiped out trying to make that tackle. So I didn't see what happened after that. <laughs> Did you guys see that? Just behind yeah. the... Oh, yeah. He just sort of goes. Yeah, I don't, I don't of... know if how bad it really was. Like He, oh, he got cleaned up. He kind of ran straight into him, though. It was a... Oh, no way. Go, go. That was a great try, like you said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think it probably highlights... The level that these guys are at. Yes, they're not able to compete with a tier one nation that's, you know, relatively speaking at the top of their game, mm, yeah. but they're actually excellent, excellent athletes. And it, mm. it probably puts in perspective that if we ran out against them as ourselves, we're going to get done 200 <laughs> nil without yeah. a blink of an eye, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can make all the jokes you like, but at the end of the day, they're very good and they're able to score those kind of tries. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a, so, it's a huge... And I think there's something because Russia have just blown their chance to score their first try. Yeah. And you're kind of thinking, oh, you know, never mind. They're not going to do it. And then they score this wonder try from halfway that kind of like revitalizes the spirit, I think, both in the Russian team and in the crowd and sort of all around. And obviously, you know, Australia then score like four more tries in the next five <laughs> minutes. But there's still... like there's Alan Quint, though, I'm sorry, the, the main commentator, I think Simon Ward, the commentator, yeah. says, could this be a turning point? And you think, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, it is not a turning point. Well, you never know. Rashkov might have a winning drop goal in him. <laughs> yeah. You know, he puts that one over to turn the score into 48-8. And you think, right, right then, Rashkov, you only need about 15 more of those and you're in this game. Well, we, you know, we, we we did poke fun at Rashkov for kicking that drop goal. And the commentators made the, the comment that maybe it was just to try and give them a bit of a, a boost. So then that way they can kind of give them a little bit of a push in energy and lift their spirits a little yeah. bit. They only lost that second half, 21 to 17. Yeah. Like only because of that Barrett Barnes try in the last minute. That that's right. Yeah, the that's right. Half. They didn't. They didn't score from the 49th minute to the 79th minute, the Wallabies. Yeah, that's loose. Very impressive from Russia. And I suppose that's, that's a goal. Yeah. Well, uh... <laughs> yeah, I think that's some mind games from Rashkov, isn't it? But yeah. um, the mo- we can narrow the gap to just 51. We'll be back in this. <laughs> Um, so Quade Cooper sets up this try for Adam Ashley Cooper where he sticks it on the outside of his boot while he's completely mm. off balance and it's oh. it's a nice finish from Ashley Cooper Great as well Ashley Cooper. yeah he's just the man you want on the end of that kick isn't he that was brilliant um, that was in contact literally leaning backwards to get that foot to ball yeah and no, no one back before, like behind that uh, that front defensive line for Russia and mm. Adam Ashley Cooper is just such a good finisher he scoops it up yeah. and scores and because he doesn't, the ball doesn't bounce at all. It doesn't sit up for him at all. It's no. rolling along the floor, and he managed to actually pick it up and dive that last meter. It's the sort a, of kick but, that you often see people do on penalty advantage that aren't going to come off. Whereas yeah. he just does it off the cuff and just thinks, right, we're going to score from this. And it's like a ninety percenter, and mm. Ashley Cooper finishes it off. That's like that's, that's just his bread and butter, isn't it? It was a bit of an. I think it was a nutmeg as well. I'm pretty sure he went through someone's oh, really? legs on that covering contact when I watched mm. it from the the backside angle. It's just. But, I mean, that was what was so good to watch about Quade Cooper as well, that, that bag of tricks that he actually had. Mm. Yeah. 
the Marfu try as well, likewise. Quade Cooper throws a pass, and from the angle you see live, I didn't know how he threw it. I didn't know how he got the ball from his yeah. arm into Marfu's, and it took like three angles for me to work out how the ball got into his hands. In your immediate, my immediate assumption at least was that that pass was probably forward. Like just yeah. something didn't right about it. But yeah. he also had like three or four really nice, classy touches before yeah. that as well in the phases mm-hmm. leading up to it. Couple to to James O'Connor. I'm pretty sure James O'Connor just drops one, but it goes backwards, um, which mm-hmm. is he, he did a lot more of in the second, like throughout that second yeah. half. But yeah. Quaid's just got that ability that no one knows what he's doing. I don't think he knows what he's doing. No, and, uh, I think that's great, great summed try. up by there's that quick tap he does for Drew Mitchell's second try, where yeah. he he gives it to is it Pocock gives the assists in the end or one of the back rowers, one of um, the back rowers, yeah, and it looks like a very simple try for Drew Mitchell, which it is in the end, but that's because he's held his width well and Cooper's taken it just as the Russians are falling asleep, and you're right, it's that unpredictable nature for the full eighty minutes that he keeps going, which really yeah. makes him good in this game. His biggest strength was always playing behind a pack going forwards, right? Which in that first half, that's why he looked so good. He disappeared in the second half in the rain when they stopped getting the the physical advantage as well. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, David Pocock goes off at half-time, having scored two tries, which is always one of those kind of dick moves when a forward's on two tries and could get a hat-trick. Like, keep them on, let him get it. But suddenly, the fact that up until then, Every single time Russia took the ball into contact, they were getting turned over by him. <laughs> and there's there's one kind of exception to that rule where Russia secure their own ball, they go for a second phase, and Pocock goes in to challenge it. And they just like they send like four men on Pocock who completely blow off the ball and Higginbotham gets in over and steals it. <laughs> you know, they're paying so much attention to Pocock. They just went, No, nope, we've done it, we've got the ball. Um and so once Pocock goes off. Not only did they lose the attacking throw we mentioned, suddenly they're not winning every single ball. They don't have 100% possession, which is what it was verging on. <laughs> and again, when you allowed this Australian backline to play off turn off ball for a bit of space, they were so good and would create so much space. But on, on top of that, we, we mentioned you know a couple of times now, Rutschkoff, his kicking game turned the game. So yeah. not only did the Wallabies not have all the possession, but he had a huge boot on him. And I, I remember there was one kick from just outside his own 22, which went about 15 metres out in the Wallabies line. And there was another where he put in this big up and under and James O'Connor didn't even get close to catching it. <clears> so yeah. I, I think those two things, as well as the rain, <clears> was probably the, you know, the difference in the first half to the second half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another bit just on the, I think it's the Stephen Morshaw we mentioned, just having mentioned Higginbotham, where he throws this incredible, like, Gareth Edwards reverse pass to David Pocock hitting a line inside him. It's good. It's yeah. good. And then Pocock makes the break, almost scores, but offloads to Moore, who goes over. I just want to mention that pass, that I've got it written in all caps, what a ball by Higginbotham. Uh, I haven't got the bye written down because I was excited. But yeah, it's... That was exciting. I also have, for the other slingshot try, just to mention, because it's in my notes, uh, just the words, McCalman sex try. <laughs> which is a uh, shop. Worth I noting as well, the um, the uh, Higginbotham, just like, 
often when you see him, when at this point he's playing for the Reds and mm. around the time when they won Super Rugby, just the, his sheer skill set was phenomenal. Like you'd often see him putting in clearance kicks and stuff or chip kicks or whatever. And he did he did a clearance kick kind of for a laugh in this game. There's a point where they're about five <laughs> yards out and he finds himself at first receiver and just thinks, yeah, this is my chance to do it. Uh, we saw uh, Tom Croft kicking the ball out of half time for England in one of the games in this World Cup. And it's often you get that when they're playing against a tier two nation. It's like, no, this is my opportunity to do this. Scrum offs get to do this week in, week out. <laughs> In my league, I want to do this now. Yes, yeah, super skilled player for sure. Yeah. Can either of you explain Ben McCalman to us? Yes, I was. I was hoping we, you'd we ask. We like him. We like <laughs> him. You've been harsh on him, mate. So we, I was listening to your your pod about the Island Australia game. Oh yeah, and uh, to to cast our minds back to this World Cup squad, there was a lot of criticism coming in because Robbie Dean's only picked one open side flanker, being David Pocock. So when he couldn't play against Ireland, we had nobody. It's an ironic problem for Australia, isn't it? Considering where the next few years went, the next two World Cups. Seriously. Yeah, sorry. We had other options. He just didn't pick them. But anyway, Benny McCalman ended up playing at seven. And I remember coming away from that game actually relatively pleased with the fact that he was physical and making a few hits and that kind of thing, because I just didn't think that he should have ever been there in the first place. Yeah, right. But, um, you know, I, I know you said he had something like 50-odd caps for the Wallabies. He actually fractured his shoulder blade about, I think, about six times to the wow. point where it kept refracturing in the same spot and he had to retire oh. because of it. Um, yeah. he, he had a really, really injury-ravaged career, but he was a very good 6'8 that was big and physical at his best. Just just was cursed, I think, with uh, with a broken, busted shoulder. Yeah. Oh, oh man. That's, In that case, really yeah, we probably were a bit hard on him. But all I'm saying is, you probably would have been better off if you'd named Ben McCarman in the team and sent out George Smith in a costume. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's a gimme. Yeah. <laughs> that's a gimme. Do you think you could just put like like a face-off style mask on him? And he could probably... Actually, why would you need to do that? You can just put him out. You can He can just play anyway. And... I mean, he played for the Wallabies two years after this, anyway. So yeah, was uh, was Liam Gill a big deal by this point? Yeah, uh, no, this is too early. So this no. is this is a year before Hooper joined mm. the Wallabies. So we had probably two or three young guys coming through: Hooper, right. Colby Fyinger, who was a brother yeah. to the other two Fyingers. Um, I can't think of who the third one was. Another one similar time, but Liam Gill's a, a year or two younger. Right, I think mm. one year younger. Um, so he hadn't really cracked it yet. Yeah, no, fair enough. And Colby Fanga, as you say, was a very good player and unlucky. Weirdly, I think of him as the best of the Fiangas, and yet he was the one without the international career. I, I thought he was really, yeah, I yeah. thought he was really, really good. And I think mm. I think he was uh, before Michael Hooper came through. At Brum- Hoop, yeah, yeah at, at the Brumbies, he actually had the starting jersey until he got injured, and then Hooper mm. kind of got that jersey and ran with it. And I remember Nelson and I having this argument for a couple of seasons, just going, "He shouldn't be starting over him. There's no way." I played both of them through like up until under 16, 17. Oh, no way. And thought Colby was always better. Right. Okay. Yeah. Also thought he was better. I didn't think <laughs> <that>. <laughs> what, what What position do you play? Open side flanker. Right. Okay. Yeah. Quiet day at the office then. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. How How is that? How is coming up against... So I imagine they were both very good at that age. They were. I mean, Hooper at that age, 15, 16, mm. was not the player Hooper is now. Like, he's wow. evolved a fair bit. He was... He made tackles. Yeah, he did not make tackles back then. All, all <laughs> Hooper did at 15 
was stand one off the fly half, like inside or outside the fly half, mm. and just destroy people ball in hand. Like he right. literally just ran one off the fly half every single time and would just break the line nonstop. So that's where like he's always had a running game to him. He mm. never seemed, like, although he was rock solid, he had always a perfect attitude to become a prof- professional player. Yeah. I remember we went to, we were doing a, a tournament in, in Queensland and everyone's up sort of just frothing on the fact that you're somewhere playing rugby and he's in bed at seven o'clock at night. <sighs> Guys, leave, leave me alone. I've got footy to play tomorrow kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. He was always destined with his attitude. And they picked him and um, Colby Feingart at that age group saying that they're going to make it. Yeah. Um, Do you have any like claims to fame? Did you ever like turn him over? Do you ever get a good shot on him? I, like I um. If you ask Benny Volvo from the from the um, Fiji side, he we played a game together against Michael Hooper, and is I possibly my best game of my life. All I did, <laughs> literally went to sleep, and I woke up in the morning, was thinking all I'm going to do is smash Hooper and stand one off the ruck. Didn't worry about anything else in the game, and literally just shot in at him and hit him constantly. And as far as I remember, I did well. People said I did well, but he kicked me in the head here. And I had 10 stitches, six months short-term memory loss. And, wow. Uh, yeah, so I think he won. Yikes. <laughs> at least you remember it as the best game of your career. Well, at least you remember it. End of. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I remember the lead up to it. And then I've had so many chats to guys in the team. I ended up getting picked for like the Sydney side afterwards. Nice. Yeah. So... I got. I, I think I remember it being a good game, mainly from other people saying it. Like, right? Yeah. I just it scarred me for sure. That you can call this the Hooper <laughs> Trash Talk podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> well, the good thing is, right? I doubt that was Michael Hooper's best game of his life, but it was yours. So yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. who's the winner here? Bigger things, and I did not. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's because of the head injury. It was the head injury's fault. That's what I'll blame it on. Yeah. Maybe that's factor. it. You went off and then you said, oh, it's, it's that cliche of, uh, oh, he's gone off. He's forgotten who he is. That's great. Tell him he's George Smith and send him back on. It <laughs> <laughs> would have been good. I went back on and just bled everywhere, I think, pretty much. <laughs> that's an incredible story. Yeah, that's, that's a very that's, good I love though. that. Yeah. yeah. None <laughs> of us have any better. Just like, smash him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I once played against a guy who now plays for Sale Sharks on the wing. That's like as much as I can offer to that. Yeah. Like, How did I, that go? Uh, pretty badly. He was playing in the centre. I was playing on the wing. And safe to say, when he arced outside our access centre, I just drifted onto the winger. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't opening up the gap. I was just drifting in case he passed it. That's all. Yeah, of course. Let him inside you. Safe for move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You just reminded me, I was talking before about how the Russians would just eat us alive as rugby players. And mm. uh, a good friend of, of mine who I was in the second 15 through school, he was as the inside centre above me in the eighth grade and ended up playing New South Wales first team. And he uh, he played a fair few years for Malta as their star player. Wow. And I just remember him being so much better than me at rugby. Yeah. And yet he was playing for Malta. <laughs> and I don't think anyone's ever seen Malta play, so oh. it, put, it really puts it in perspective for me. So I I know someone that also played for Malta that won like ten caps in Malta. I I met him when I was in Belgium last year, and so I mean, yeah, he played for for Malta a bit. Uh, he now plays in like the the Belgian first division, 
which he says is actually quite a, a surprisingly high standard of rugby. But you know, like that's the standard. You've got a lot of people that have played for whatever their you know their smaller nation is um, yeah. across that. Yeah. But is the best story I heard from him was that one day he woke up uh, and he, he'd missed a call from his mates. So we rang him back, and his his mate said. Sorry, we're, we've only got 12 people for the rugby league today. Do you fancy playing? I've never played rugby league before. And he went, great, okay. No, just just come along. And he turned up and it was an international. Oh. So he, he, he thought he was going to play a local game, but he turned up and won an international cap for Malta, despite having never played rugby league before. Just because he was Very quite good, good at union, they went, give him a go. Give him a so, go, he'll be fine. I've got a similar anecdote, which was that the team I play for, Long Eaton Rugby Club, went on tour a year or two ago to Estonia, of all places, which isn't a very known place for rugby. Uh, and they went out and got very, very drunk. I wasn't, sadly wasn't on this tour. I couldn't make it this year. But they went out and got very, very drunk the night before the game they were playing and then turned up. And 90 minutes before kickoff, they were told they were playing the national team. Oh. <laughs> and there they go. I think we only lost, it was really high scoring. I think it was like 46-54 or something, which is pretty good for a bunch of, you know, pissed up mid-Englanders um, yeah. against the Estonian national team. Um, yeah, especially to say it's torn, and, you know, half the people are probably playing out of position or yeah. whatever. So, yeah, that's better than I expected it to go when I first heard people, you know, texting me before kickoff saying, all right, playing the national team, see you later. <laughs> The other, the other one I always find really interesting is that Madagascar rugby yeah. union is their national sport. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. another country I just don't think anyone's ever seen or heard of a single player from there. Yeah, you see the old photo of their stadiums just packed out with like forty thousand people in these tiny stadiums watching, you know, like roaring watching them play against whoever. I desperately I want them to play in the World Cup. Years ago. Oh, really? For my uh, for my honeymoon, and I saw these fields. I'm like, what? Talking to the locals, like, what's that? Like, that's massive. Everything else, you know, nothing's developed. It's just the footy oval. They absolutely love it. Amazing. They, um, I, I, as soon as I found out that it was their national sport, it might have been, you know, back in 2011 or something. I've just suit like had this little part of me that I just hoped they scraped into the Rugby World Cup. Yeah, like, me just too. Be such a good story for Madagascar to be playing at a Rugby World Cup. And I feel like they haven't been that far off on a few occasions. Like mm. you've got Germany getting in, Spain getting in, things like that. And some of the qualifying um, matches, I think they've, they've come relatively close. Yeah. I've just flicked across to their, uh, their Wikipedia page. So mm. to put things in perspective, was it 2003 that Australia beat Namibia by 140 oh, yeah. or something? Yeah, I think yeah. so. The year before that, Namibia beat Madagascar 112 nil. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it could have been bad. They're close. They're really close. But a couple of years after that, Madagascar then beat Zambia 97 to three. Yeah, we can keep going down. I could play for Zambia. Oh, that's safe to that's, say. That's where we cut in. I reckon Namibia were only about 90 drop goals away from beating the Wallabies. <laughs> That's it. Pretty close. Oh, I, I sometimes wonder this of like how, if you look at the teams in like ninety sixth in the world rankings, right? How far am I as someone that plays touch once a week of qualifying yeah. to play for them? You know, of being good enough to 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 get the odd game on the wing. One of my mates has played. He's got two caps for Serbia 
for for the record. So that's I think they're about fiftieth in the world rankings. So that gives a bit of scope. And he was like knocking on the okay. door of our first team. So yeah. Uh, Serbia ranked eighty eight. Eighty eighth. Right. Okay. okay. Never mind. Okay. I was I, clearly I just wanted to do that well. Yeah. I've got a mate who plays for Lao, and Fine. I can't find him in the top one hundred. So. Ah. That would be a team that we could probably crack. Is he any good there? Yeah, he's yeah. Not bad. He's okay. Well, you I'm could check check whereabouts Estonia are in the world rankings. Give them some scope for their level. Yeah, they're not. They're sure they they're not there. No, I take it Long Eaton Rugby Club aren't on there either. No. <laughs> just yeah. under Ghana. Yeah, just under. <laughs> <laughs> the other thought is if you just dropped David Pocock into a team ranked outside the top hundred. How good would they be? If he'd played for Zimbabwe and he'd been as good as he was playing for the Wallabies, would they have made a World Cup? You know, Or would they have taken a scalp or something? Because they'd have been battering any team at that level just with him. Wasn't the Beast born there as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. the team Zimbabwe could have had was mad. They could have had Nguenyu and Shivanga on the wings. Yeah, the Beast was born there. I'm you, sure occasionally you, get, you get like premiership players like Mike Williams and Dave Ewers are both yeah, yeah. born there. You I get... mean, you send Maratoja can play for Nigeria. Will Guinea have like Papua New Guinea. Sh- yes, like his brother did. Yeah. You can have this hugely competitive like African Cup. Like a state of, of origin Nations kind of thing. thing. Even yeah, though it's yeah. not quite state of origin, it's just play for the less good team that you're qualified for. <laughs> Shall we wrap up any points we have on other tries? Anything else you want to bring up from this game before we move on to Man of the Match and Dick of the Day? Oh, I mean, the only other thing I really wanted to talk about was like this schoolboy James O'Connor that was coming across from Western Force. He yeah. was lightning quick when he hit the line from fullback, and he was just so exciting in that first half. And then you just saw this like this turn in his game when it started to rain, and he didn't really want to be there anymore because all his mates had come off, come off at half time, and he just fell apart. Knocked on, I think, about three passes. Made Rob Simmons look like he could handle properly. Uh, missed that up and under that I talked about before as well. Like yeah. what? A, like that player was just encapsulating the Wallabies' inconsistency in one right there. He was... Yeah, he really, yeah, yeah. He really kicked impressively, I thought, in this game. Like, I think it was yeah. the, before the match, he was five from eight. Then he missed his first kick. And then he got his next nine kicks in a row. And most of them were from the sideline. Like, mm. it was pretty impressive. So no matter how yeah. bad his hands turned in that match, he, he was still able to kick it from anywhere. It's only been in the last 12 months he started really kicking for gold again for Australia and for the Reds. Yeah. And the last couple of points would be just the Simplikavich try, which was the obviously the oh, interception yeah. from Cooper, which he takes very well and reads very well. In hindsight, it's a very stupid pass from Quaid. And it's almost an arrogant pass, just kind of assuming that the pass is going to beat Simplikavich on the outside. And he just thinks, no, I'm having this. I think it was if he, if the ball got out, Simplikavich, it would have been try time. It was like three yeah. on one, mm. but he's just super tall, wasn't he? Like six mm. foot four or something, just yeah, reaching out above his head and, and pulls that yeah. ball in. I, I thought he, I thought he took it pretty easy. I think he hit the uh, the nail on the head. Well, it was a, it was an arrogant pass. Yeah. But Wade Cooper has this tactic. I think when he's throwing the ball, he throws the ball at a hole and then expects his player to get there. And yeah. he's normally fuming yeah. when he does it and someone's not in the right spot. And I think this was a case of him doing that. He thought he could get the ball past the outside shoulder and was a bit cocky. So he took that risk and kind of made him look pretty stupid, to be honest. Yeah. 
And then the other Russian try was, of course, the Rashkov one. We touched on the Barrett Barnes one. Uh, but yeah, the Rashkov try where he runs a nice line off the replacement scrum half, Shakirov, off the back of a maul. And it's not really the sort of line you often see us fly half running, which is it, it's very effective against a tired defence. Hmm. Yeah, in the no, it's a, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the Wallabies line defence, which is still a problem. Like, we're, uh, still the Wallabies to the, today. Anytime someone's hitting up, hitting one out or two out on line attack, <clears> I never have confidence that the Wallabies, Wallabies have the ability to stop them. It's just not our game to be that yeah. imposing team. And Russia, you know, by that point, I think they were probably riding high on a pretty dominant second half, where they were really playing quite well for the conditions. So yeah, yeah it was. Um, not overly surprising, to be honest, at that point where he went over, which just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing that happens is it does just start absolutely belting it down in the second half. Like yeah, the rain yeah. pours down and it has a big impact that suddenly, you know, people are falling, people are just falling over. It suddenly it's so much more difficult to handle ball. It's even more difficult to handle Riki Samo than it was before. Uh, he's completely unaffected, but everyone else around him is. Well, I mean, as you said, the Fijians just love to throw the ball around. Even in the wet weather, they're out there throwing around. In Australia, yeah. if it if it's sprinkling, the council mm. closes the grounds. You don't get to play rugby. Yeah, and like it's only occurred to me recently how rubbish we normally play in the wet weather. It's probably because we just <laughs> never do it. Like, yeah. <laughs> never held yeah. a wet wet footy. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. You never get used to it unless you're until you're playing at the highest possible level where yeah. you can't get. Why it do you up. think England are so good in the wet? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it should be Scotland's specialty. But it was for a long time. You look at that, the year before this, that game against the Wallabies, where Mm. you couldn't walk for the rain. The game was basically played in like like an ocean centre. And Matt Gitter misses that kick in the last minute to win it, when the entire way it's just been because Scotland is so... This is like a normal Thursday for Scotland. But Austria are like, why is the water falling from the sky? What is this? Yeah. Speaking of Matt Guido, he doesn't get selected for this Rugby World Cup by Robbie Deans, which is obviously a massive thing in itself, mm. and then gets called back by Czech to come and play in the 2015 Rugby World yeah. Cup as one of our best players. Yeah. Like, do we have any more justification that he should have been there? Oh, because he kind of got shit canned for the Samoa game. Like, yeah, he kind of bore the brunt of it. Yeah, he was the scapegoat. And, and he wasn't bad in it. Like, realistically, he was probably he wasn't the, the best problem. player. Yeah, in that game. Yeah, he looked, he, there was, there was big, big issues with Robbie Deans. I think there started to be some big fractures in this side, and mm. the players started to be pretty unhappy with him. And I think that was probably, you know, one of those big things that made people realize, like, why are you getting rid of our best player? It mm. makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever. We didn't necessarily need more flair. He, he had a control over that back line that I reckon none of the other guys did as well. Yeah. Yeah. The last name I wanted to bring up, if you look at the Russian side, I think there's like one or two names that do not have a V in there. Adam, <laughs> Adam Bynes. Uh, he, he was from our school. Like he was just an Aussie really? bloke that ended up playing for Russia. I went to like a school, like, 50 years or whatever it was of, mm. of rugby thing a, a couple mm-hmm. of years back. And he was just there chatting, like, because the accent is like, yeah, I played for Russia. And it just <laughs> made no sense. That's and incredible. He was out from us. I remember the the nickname Adam Bernsovsky catching on <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. played for Russia. And I always think of him as that now. Yeah, I think he, he needed an Ofsky or something in the end. 
Well, when we all play for Estonia, I'm sure that they're going to give us nicknames uh, of a similar ilk. Well, we our best bet's the Netherlands, but I think they're too good. Like our nana's, uh, yeah, they're playing the rugby championship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I think they're far too good for us. They're ranked 25th. They're yeah. one below Namibia. Mm. We're not going to get anywhere near that team. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I get, there must be just an army of other vissers out there. As, yeah. And well, Josh Van der Fleer is extended. How do we not have more lops coming out of the Netherlands? Yep. I know, yeah. Mm. I met someone at the World Cup last year who had played, he had one cap for the Netherlands. Um, he was six foot 11. And you were, yeah, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, get why you, I get why you have your cap. I understand this. I ended up playing touch rugby with him in the square in Oita. Uh, the day before Wales played Fiji, yeah, 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 Fiji, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun, and he was a, a, a hashtag unit, I believe is the the phrase. Sounds it definitely sounds yeah. it. That's a big boy. <laughs> um, right, should we do man of the match and dick of the day? I took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> um, should we start with man of the match? Sure. Right. Do you boys want to start? Yeah, yeah. I thought um, for me, Luke Burgess was absolutely mm. exceptional, and in a in a game where we were just running amok in attack, he was kind of the center of a, center of a lot of it. Yeah. So yeah, for me, I thought he was best on par. Yeah. For me, I uh, I know he only played half a game of rugby, but so did the Wallabies. So I went for David <laughs> Pocock. <laughs> yeah. He, he he was just brilliant with the ball in hand, brilliant in, in defense. And I, as we touched on before, they really missed him when he he came off. Yeah, yeah. Quade Cooper's one person I've written down, but then there was the gift try that he gave to Simplikevich as well. And so I'm going to side with you, Nelson, and say I'm going to give it to David Pocock. I think that he was just he took his two tries well, floated that one to uh, Stephen Moore really well, and was a nuisance at breakdown time. I felt like he gave the, the Wallabies that platform to run away with the game. Yeah, I thought Pocock was outstanding. I, I enjoyed Craig Cooper enormously. Uh, but we're going to have the, the same thing of a, a similar brother split. And I'm going to go for Luke Burgess. Oh. Um, we haven't mentioned him, but I thought Luke Burgess was fantastic. He was in brilliant. All regards, other than that offload in that leads off the, the knock-on, rather. The offload yeah. to, some, to um, not Simpikevich, Ostrushko, uh, for that try. He but almost then, robbed you know, the saving tackle. Yes. <laughs> the one mistake he made came after making a 50-meter break. So yeah, I think exactly. that, that's a pretty good result. That's a pretty good turnout yeah. for the game. You know, you've done all right there. I was gonna say, he made so many good darts off the breakdown yeah. as well. Like, simple dummy, the prop jumps across and just sprints straight through for 40 meters. He was yeah. awesome. He was doing good darts and that without having like the Gareth Davis problem of not being able to pass as well, yeah. you know, or not assessing his options. Like he was accurate decision making and a really good snipe person. Yeah, I I was I was rating him very highly, but then he kind of you know he went to Treviso um, as their kind of big money signing, and I think once you've signed for Benetton, it kind of there are certain clubs if you sign for them, it kind of taints your career almost. Yeah, um, and he was kind of then seen as always oh, massively dropped off rather than actually he went to this club that was looking like they're running up as their big money signing. And it, yep. yeah, it's a shame. But yeah, but I always rate them enormously highly. Uh, Dick of the Day. Should we do Dick of the Day? Sure. Um, Where should we start? Should, do you want me to start? Oh, we do? Yeah, sure. Sure. So, I mean, one person, as I've mentioned, Quade Cooper is a standing <laughs> item as a potential Dick of the Day. However, I'm going to give it to James O'Connor because, as you mentioned earlier, Harry, there was the point where 
Kushnerov does the crossfield kick and James O'Connor just gets nowhere near it. And then he is faced with just the two pacemen, the Russian props, Sergei Popov and Ivan Prishipenko. O'Connor then drops the ball and deliberately falls over to spare the embarrassment of a foot race with Sergei Popov, <laughs> who sadly hacks the ball into touch on the fall. But that's not what matters. So James O'Connor, for being a coward and backing out of a foot race with some props, is my dick of the day. I had James O'Connor down as a possibility because the first in- the first thing that happens in the game, well, second thing that happens in the game, off a scrum, he's given the ball and he has Radiki Salm outside him and he doesn't give it to him. <laughs> and everyone's paid their money. Everyone's tuned in to see Radiki Salm play on the wing against Russia. Give him the ball. Let him run. But he then kind of makes up for it by just giving him the ball lots of times later on. Yeah. So I kind of there's a point where he ignores Ashley Cooper inside him, who would have scored because he knows yes. people are paid to see Samo have a run down the wing, and I love that. That's like positive shithousery. <laughs> so instead, my dick of the day is someone who will not come up. It is the most controversial thing to do in an Australia game in the World Cup. Uh, Bryce Lawrence, the referee, who, as I say, doesn't come up, won't be talked about in future Australia games in this World Cup, not at all. So there's two things he does. One is the very first thing that happens in the game is Russia kick off and uh, Simplikevich is slightly in front of the kicker and he blows it for the scrum to Australia, which is so pedantic. Yeah. Yeah. And considering, yeah, that, that happens all the time. No one ever blows for it. But this time against a tier two nation who are about to concede 50 points and a half. And I know you shouldn't judge it on whatever, but you should kind of know that's what that's where this is going. Yeah, and he and he blows that, and then in the second half, um, it's Yanushkin is stopped just short, and one of the Russian forwards, I lost track of who, then dives over, um, and he gives it as held mm. up, despite the fact the try would have been scored. Yeah, um, if he just let it play oh, on yeah. instead of blowing yeah. super early. So between the two moments, Bryce Lawrence, the referee was my dick of the day in a moment that would not be repeated. Robbie, yeah. I'm genuinely yeah. I'm genuinely shocked you've not given Anthony Fayenga dick of the day in this game. I know. He's not playing. This is the first <laughs> Australia game in this World Cup where you've not given him dick of the day. <laughs> I thought about it, but he's current... At this point you literally time, gave him dick of the day for scoring against the USA. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. No, I, I mean, I don't know if I need to justify this again, but if he... Never mind. He tried to blow the try and he accidentally scored. It was a it was an incredible moment. But yeah, Bryce Lawrence narrowly pips Antfinger to man of the match. If that try, if he just waited that extra moment and they went right and scored that try, mm. there were only what twelve drop goals away. Like he could have. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, it's tragic, isn't it? Honestly, the or maybe even two going by um, Rashkov's scoring system. Yeah, yeah. Um, think of the days for you two. Any nominations? Mine, mine's probably going to sound rough, but it's Yuri Turniketi Kareshna Romarev, <laughs> because if he didn't start, Rashkov could have started, and he was he was awesome for them. Yeah, if uh, if he was on that field earlier, kicking the ball like he was, I reckon it would have been pretty good. And uh, yeah, the turnstile definitely didn't did not put his body in the line. At one point, he I think it was was it the Drew Mitchell try, he he went to make a tackle and instead took out his own player. No, it was the Pocock try. Took out his own player that probably was going to make the tackle. Pretty oh, cool. Oh, man. That's, that's, that's rough. Yeah. Um, and finally... Her- yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to side with Will. 
James O'Connor, despite being 13 years old and having tiny hands, when that rain came out, the amount of times he went into contact and just threw the ball forwards, like he wasn't dropping it down. It was going two metres ahead of him. Yeah. It was absolutely ridiculous. And like I said, it's everything I hate about Australian rugby that you can have these guys that have such flair, but just absolute mm. inconsistency and a lack of composure. So that was dick of the day for me. Yep. Like- yeah, hard to hard to argue with. So that pretty much brings us through the the game itself. Uh, we will, I think, very quickly. This is Russia's last game of the World Cup, uh, so we have been for each team's final game doing a little like leaving party and um, looking back on them and what they've brought and what they've achieved in the thing. Um, I should have queued up some Russian music by now. Yes, please, please uh, do. I am quickly typing Russian music as we, as we say, say in and Russia, Russia to Russia. Which is, is apparently vodka, goodbye. Right? Oh, nice. Yeah, straight vodka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say, so is this as well. This <laughs> glass of clear liquid that I've been sipping the whole way through this episode. That could be vata as well. <laughs> if anyone's hit the description of the, the first thing that comes up when you type Russian music into Apple Music, this comes under the category of Russian hip-hop. It says, There's always something new in the land of Russian language bops, with rappers quick to deliver gritty vox and punchy bass lines. Eclectic and bold, this playlist follows the latest from heavy hitters and new talent across CIS and beyond. So this is what we're hearing now. Heavy hitters, we can roll out Yuri Kushnarev. So yeah, Russia. Um, genuinely quite a delight to watch them at this World Cup. Yeah. Uh, and they've, they've scored a lot of tries. And, you know, them scoring three tries against the Wallabies is much more positive result than they probably expected this World Cup. I yeah. think, for me, the standout players were Vasily Artemyev as a, an obvious point, And mm. Denis Simplikevich coming in as a 19-year-old scoring tries against both Ireland and in Australia on his first two caps. It's a hell of a result. Yeah. Awesome. I- I think their entire back three were very good. Um, yeah, we didn't get to see yeah. Yeah, Igor Klishnikov in this game as well, no. who was a massive nails fullback, which I'm always a massive fan of any fullback who likes to just take the ball and just run in a straight line right back at the defensive <laughs> line. And he was that kind of guy, you know, had a beard, bald head, all of it. Uh, I'm not, not meaning to describe any guest um, as <laughs> versions, so I realise that as I was saying it. Um, but yeah, I... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I enjoyed him enormously. Um, and yeah, and I think actually he, both their hookers were good. Yeah. Both their hookers sort of really put themselves about. And it was one of those odd things that sometimes happen with tier two nations where they have two really good players in the same position. They have to kind of take turns when yeah. some of the players are not up to scratch. Just play one at flanker. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's that the way around it. It's a shame they only caught on to that with 10 minutes to go at the World Cup. Yeah. They finally yeah. cracked it. Yeah, they, they were they were very impressive. You know, the the game against the USA as well, where they almost scraped a win. Mm. Like it was, that's a genuinely close game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know, I, I loved hearing them say before kickoff in this in the game against the Wallabies that <clears throat> they were there to actually attack and to try and score tries because you're not mm. going to win a game without scoring tries. Like, how good is that to come into yeah. a a World Cup when you know you're a massive underdog and you you genuinely just saying we're not here to defend, we're going to try and put some points on, yeah. and they yeah. did. Yeah, did you, yeah, yeah. Did you um, hear how they described their style of rugby? Before this it said they, they they play more like Fiji or, or France. It's all about their flair. And that is backing up. Like they just want to go for tries and have a bit of fun. Yeah. yeah. It's great to see them flinging the ball around. 
Good yeah. on him. Yeah, and it's kind of it's that complete other approach. You see, a lot of underdogs will try and just keep the score down. You know, we'll do kind of the rugby equivalent of parking the bus. They'll kick the ball a lot, or they'll just yeah. kind of like Tonga did in the World Cup last year, where mm-hmm. they just pick and go a lot and just kept yeah. hold the ball so that the opposition couldn't yeah, have yeah. it and couldn't score tries. And you know, it's kind of a masterclass, and I guess England by Tonga, but they still sorry by Tonga against England, but it still led to you know they weren't going to go anywhere. They weren't going to win games like that. You can't win. The one other guy I want to mention is uh, Yanushkin, the scrum Yeah, I was going to say, who, he's my man. I love him. Smallest guy at the World Cup. Five foot five. Yet... <laughs> wow. And was... yet he didn't know it. No, he he was great. Like He was a very, very small man and it helped him. It, did, it was yes, not a negative yeah. thing for him. It was good for him. Yeah. yeah. I really liked him. If I had to pick a dick of the tournament, I don't think I have one, but it would probably be Kushner for missing that tackle on uh, Pocock. But yes, let's go back to... Um, <laughs> praising Yanushkin because I love him yeah 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 and I mean this uh, you can almost nominate man of the tournament being Rashkov for dropping a goal when 50 yeah. points behind it's a ballsy because move. that's the kind of exactly like there's a massive big ball's confidence of this will be the decider late on <laughs> we're going to look back on this um, and also just that's the kind of energy I want more of sorry go on to be fair I feel like he's <clears throat> basically Johnny Sexton <laughs> <laughs> He, he thought he was Johnny Wilkinson at that point. <laughs> yeah. He's I was just say, calling him Sexton's a bit harsh on him. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, where can people find you? Where can people find the pod? Where can people find you on social medias, etc.? Yeah, so we've got a fantasy platform that ran a beta this year and uh, mm-hmm. should have a full, fully-fledged platform for 2021 for Super Rugby for Aotearoa and AU. So that's at draftrugby.com. And then we are also uh, insanely active over Twitter especially at Draft Rugby and you'll find us Instagram, Facebook and pretty much anywhere. We, we run podcasts and bits and pieces as well. So pretty much everything and everywhere. <laughs> We've had about... <laughs> I think two podcasts that have had more than 10, 10 listens. And uh, there was uh, someone else on this podcast on both of those. So thank you. <laughs> it's a pleasure. It's my pleasure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it is a huge pleasure to do both times. I've, I've enjoyed it both times. No, it's been great. So thank you very much for, for joining us. Thank you to yeah, everyone. Cheers, boys. I've really enjoyed this. This has been a nice chat. And uh, when we do other World Cups, I'd love to have you back to talk about the Wallabies more. Yeah, sure, awesome. boys. We, we've loved it. Thanks cheers. for having us, guys. Good to meet you all. Ah, no, cheers. Fa- and thank you to everyone listening. Join us next time. Oh no, we've got a Christmas special in between. We have got a Christmas special. Yes, where we we found free clips, free YouTube clips from rugby things that happened in 2011, and we're going to try and cover those instead of a game. It may include a championship team, as in the English second division, who tried to go for Christmas number one and launched a single. We'll be covering that next time. And then after that, when we return to the World Cup of Proper, we'll be looking at a game that I think people do remember. France played Tonga. Yeah, and easy win for France. Easy win yeah, for France. should be. Should be. You know, there's there's no way... Considering this France team goes on to play in the final, there's no way they could possibly lose to Tonga there. Look, Tonga would need a lot of drop goals. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cheers. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time. Good night. Good night. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 